<laughs> Good evening. We are live back on Facebook again with Girlfriends of Virtue Podcast. Talking tonight to a new visitor, Miss Simone. And we're welcoming Lisa J back. And tonight we got a hot topic. We are talking about what do Black women want from this election? And since we are all beautiful, intelligent, Black women with a whole lot to offer. Figured you all would love to hear what we had to say. All right, let's get it started. What do Black women want? This is 2020. You know what? Like, seriously, I I could have never imagined, really, as a child that I would grow up and literally be in my own home, having a podcast, talking about politics. Right. Because we just didn't do that in my home. You know, I mean, it was kind of... I mean, we talked about politics in the sense that you had a duty to vote, but that's as far as it went. And of course, not only did you have a duty to vote, you had a duty to vote Democratic um, because that's what my family did, right? But beyond that, we didn't talk too much about really how my great grandmother felt, what she really believed we needed. And now that makes me wonder, did did she and many others, even though they felt this um, duty and responsibility to vote, did they really believe that their vote mattered? Mm-hmm. Did they really believe that their voice mattered? Right. You know? And so that's that's what brings us here tonight, right? What do black women want? What makes us believe what we want and what we think matters? So well, for me, what I think is more than anything. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. It sounds like a little feedback, but I can hear you. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why, because I'm in a quiet room here. I don't know. Um, what I want from this election is I would love to see how they're going to fix the problem of the police brutality. I have the the killings. I have a 30-year-old son. You know, I've got stepsons. I've got boys that I have helped, you know, bring up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to see. I want to see change. I don't want to hear noise. I want to hear change, see change. That's one of the biggest things for me as a woman um, because I'm just surrounded by gun violence and, and what's going on in the law enforcement. Yeah, I think that's a that's an extremely but I think that's an extremely important issue is the issue of um, police brutality, criminal justice reform. How are we looking at that? Um, as well as for me, is kind of black women um, dying during pregnancy, um, our mortality rates. Um, I think that that is something that is of utmost importance because unfortunately, we die often in the room um, and our kids, or our babies are nine. And I, and I don't have children yet, but as a young woman thinking about that step in my life, I want to make sure that our health care is um, of the utmost importance. That's extremely important to me in this election. I don't know who said this, but I read it somewhere this week where they said that the hospital, the doctors are to a woman what the police is to a black man. Mm. And they were talking mm. about the mortality rate and the things that we go through in the hospital and we ignored and all this because of insurance and whatnot. So I thought that was just profound because I never really looked at it like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know what, lady, I tell you, 
And I'm sorry for this feedback. I don't know what's happening. Now, StreamYard, I'm not quite sure. Is it me? Do you think it's me? No, it's, I don't hear it anymore. Like when I step back from my computer, okay, it didn't feedback as much. Okay, well, we apologize. Work with us. This is not CBS or NBC. It's just RBL. <laughs> but um, seriously, you know what? The whole thing of the healthcare, and that was a powerful statement, quote, whatever you read, Lisa. Because unfortunately, I guess I have a real story about it. Meaning. I haven't talked much about it, and at a different time, I will talk about it in detail. But when I got diagnosed with breast cancer, and just everything that I experienced, even now, dealing with my reconstruction, I mean, I have really been mistreated. And, you know, even in particular with my reconstruction that happened this year, my husband said to me, why did you think a white guy in a small town of Tennessee could be trusted? And I thought, it never comes to my mind, you know, that I should have to consider that I might not be treated so fairly or he might, while he may be a great doctor, he might not be great for me it's just simply because I'm a black woman. And I'm not, I'm not alluding that this man is racist or anything, but something went way wrong and he did some things that definitely weren't right. And just this whole process has made me personally know something is really wrong with the way we're treated in the medical, in, in the hospitals. I mean, with the doctors. And to the point where a lot of us are really dying from breast cancer and a whole host of other diseases because one, we're not getting the information, okay? In fact, let me tell you this. And Simone, this is for you and, and all the women, seriously, who haven't had children. And, and I said I was going to say this to talk about this on another show, but let me just say this right quick. This whole thing of um, freezing your eggs. Right. Well, most black women, nobody ever talks to us about that. Right. Now, I don't know if it's because maybe you were on Medicaid. That could be it. They figure you will ever afford it. But right. guess what? For most of us who have been on employer paid insurance, you know, most of your adult life, you still have never had your doctor talk to you at all about freezing eggs. And then you're getting older and older and older. And for instance, in my case, I just learned, uh, Miss Brown, if you want another child, or Miss Moser, if you want another child, you probably better give that up. And in your case, while anything is possible, your eggs are too old. Wow. Well, I had no idea. So you you wonder why wasn't I ever told this information? Right, right. And, and you find now, and I know we're talking about politics, but you find now that there are. I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine yes yesterday, and she talked about a few years ago she went and got her eggs frozen because I think now we're becoming more educated about it, and so more Black women are doing it. But it's, it's super expensive, right? So you need to actually budget for it. Um, some is my understanding that some um, insurance is covering it, but it depends on what you have. But those are conversations that we never really had, or it always seemed like it was for those others, like not for us, not for uh, me as a black woman. And so now we're learning more about it. We're learning about it as we're getting older, when it's getting too far along, we freeze our eggs for them to be viable. So, you know, it, it's just conversations that we continue Hello, to Can everybody have. hear me? Yeah. Hey, Barbara, we so glad to have you back. Technical difficulties. <laughs> but, um, 
it's been that kind of night. We've been having a little technical difficulty tonight, too. We see you. The world sees you. We're live. We're already started. We talking, talking it up. Having problems, ladies. Sorry. <laughs> she can't hear us. Oh, she can't hear us. And I'm having to use my phone if you can hear me. Yeah, yeah. can you hear us? Mm -hmm. right. Do you hear me? I can't hear you. No. Oh. oh. Barbara, log off and try to come back in. She can't hear. She can't hear. I'm gonna go out and come back in. Y'all hear anything? Y'all were listening. Y'all were admiring each other. But but anyway, but the point is, still, we're we're talking about what black women want. We want to be treated like everyone else with respect. We want to be regarded as people who have unlimited opportunity and potential. And that's the thing, when we're not given information to, to potentially help us, whether we're talking about having a child or even what about just taking better care of yourself? You don't even know certain things. Right. Okay. Um, and so for me, this, this election, I mean, with Sister Kamala, Kamala, is that, how do you say her name? Kamala, that's a, a HU graduate like myself. So, you know, I'm absolutely, I'm proud of Bison over here. So yes, Kamala. Kamala. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Simone, I, I am happy, but I'm, I'm not going to pretend like she's my pick um, because, you know, I don't know. I don't know. When, when I think about her, where she's been, now I, I guess everybody can change in terms of her politics as it pertains to what she was practicing as a district attorney and the three strike laws here in California. I don't know that she was so against it. I, I think the reading says she was for it at one time. Is that correct? Um, which reading are you referring to? Um, I don't know if she was for it. I mean, I think that was the law at the time. And as you know, as a district attorney, you have to enforce the law, right? But I think that she had practices embedded in her office just to try to redirect people, and I just don't think people are talking about that. Like people want to talk about all these other, you know, she's the district attorney, right? That, that was the law on the books. She's not the legislature. She cannot change that. But I do think she tried to implement. And matter of fact, I think I was watching the other day. It was like a C-SPAN video that she did years ago when she was a district attorney, talking about what she was trying to do in her office to kind of alleviate some of those things that come along with what was happening with the three strikes that are out. And I just don't think people want to hear that. Like, you know, my problem sometimes is when we look at black women in those roles and those positions, we, we treat them much harsher than other candidates who are prosecutors that we didn't look at their record the way that we looked at hers. And I'm like, I mean, there are other individuals who are prosecutors um, that we didn't we didn't have to cut down. When you really look at what she tried to do in that office, I think she did try to help the community, but people only see one part of that and not the entire, not the entire picture of what she did about in office. Now, let me say something, because I mean, I think you're, you're correct if the other perspective isn't put out there. So I don't know that people don't want to hear it. I think it's what perspective, and then that's her job. You see, now here's the thing for me. I'm the same every day to everybody. 
So I don't believe, and that's the one thing that concerns me sometimes with us, whether it's black or women, is that we feel like, well, you should do this for me because, well, I'm not as bad as they. I'm not the best, but I'm not as bad as my male colleagues. So all I'm saying, I think we should judge them all the same. And with respect to, with respect to her policies that she implemented or tried to implement, that's her duty to get that out. I think it's out there. I think people are don't want to see it because they only want to say it is she's a black woman who was a prosecutor. No, it's it's out there. I think it's out there for everybody to see. I just think that people, some folks want to focus solely on the fact that she was a prosecutor, not really looking at what she actually did in her time in that role. And I think that's that's what the difference is. Um, I think it's out there. And what I do think is that you should you should judge everybody on their policies across the board, black, white, male, female, Asian, Hispanic, whatever the case may be. I just don't think people do that for black women, specifically black candidates. I don't think people give us the benefit of the doubt. They don't like, <laughs> it's out there. And if you wanna look at what our policies are, they're out there. People don't choose to do the same research. They focus on one part of it and not everything is what I'm saying. I agree with you. I do think that you should judge everybody. So, so given that racism, Given that many polls anyway, and I'm one who would agree that racism is a number one issue for black women, whether we're talking about police brutality, whether we're talking about workplace discrimination, whether we're talking about discrimination in health care options or health care treatment, housing, etc. How do you believe Kamala is going to address that issue or those concerns? What do you mean? Do I think, how, how do I think she's going to do it? I mean, yeah. Has she talked about how she, I mean, has she talked about, because I don't know, I'm, I'm not pretending to follow the politics. I, I really don't anymore. It's very much. But I'm asking you because you clearly are a passionate supporter of it. And I am not mad about it. So I just simply ask how do you think she will attempt to address this number one issue for many Black women? I mean, I think she'll set positive play. I'm, and, I, and I'll say this, and honestly, it's not that I'm an avid supporter. What I am is in the work that I do, I know that people judge what she has done in the past harsh, more harshly than other people. That's what I'm saying. Like, so I am saying that people put her up and judge her much harshly than other prosecutors who have run in this race, other individuals who have had the same job that she has had, that they don't try to look at their record as much as they try to look at as a black woman, as an Asian American woman, I do think I don't know. I can't tell you that I sat there and looked up, looked at the Biden Harris policies yet. I have not done that yet. Um, will I do that in preparation? I mean, I know where my vote will be, <laughs> but to be more informed of what that, you know, what they what they plan to do to make sure they're held accountable to that, I will surely be doing that as well. But I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I've actually looked up what they will the specific policies that they plan to implement um, for, I think, police brutality, because I think that is a, an issue that she has talked about and talking about what does the reformation of a police department looks like. I know she's talked about having a look at step-by-step step what that policy looks like, and I know she's talked about that's a goal that she has in looking at how we look at policing and look at community policing, which is, I think, one of the bigger things we're talking about now. Barbara, are you with us? 
I'm I'm here by your phone. I don't know what's going on with my laptop, but I'm here. Well, good to see you, girlfriend. Hello. And we are in the thick of talking about what black women want in this election. And and you know, we started off just talking about the fact that just even being able to have a round table like this, regular, hardworking, good looking women. Um, was not commonplace when we were growing up. And for you, I wonder, was that something you and your family did? You sat around and kind of talked about what women wanted? Are you asking me because it's kind of crackly, so I just want to make sure. Are you asking me? Yes. Okay, uh, we've had discussions on and off in regards to this. And yes, she is going to be put to a higher task because, first of all, she is a woman. She is Black and Asian. And so, yes, she is going to be judged, unfortunately, I think, harsher than Biden, for that matter. I mean, he's got some issues that he's gonna have to deal with and answer for. So in, in answer to your question, we've discussed it. Uh, and as I told you before, if Daffy Duck was on the ticket, I'm down, I'm voting for him. Okay, so that means that I'm voting for the Biden-Harris ticket, but just like you said, I, I need to do my research in terms of what their policies are. The unfortunate thing is that we, you know, every party, the Republican Party is exclusive to us for, for the most part. The Democratic Party, I think, has taken our vote for granted for a mm -hmm. long time and they say well this is what we're going to do or maybe they don't they don't come with a plan mm -hmm. i want to know what are you going to do for me so that's what well, i think that's in our family discussions now and so so and anybody can just chime in i mean seriously I think many of us are feeling that way, especially if you voted Democratic most of your life or your family's voted Democratic. It's like, really, what is the Democratic Party going to do for us? We're still being killed. We yeah. still, Black women are still being paid 60% left, I mean, 60 cents on the dollar. Like, this is real. And I think if you haven't had a personal experience with struggle, hardship, maybe you don't really know, but it's, it's very real. And given the fact that 51% of our households are headed by a, a single mother family, does that matter today? I mean, like, what do you all think in terms of our voice really being heard and really making a difference? As, aside from the fact that I think they said that black women kind of rallied together to push on Biden to ensure that he would select a, uh, a black woman candidate. Well, I think at this time, you know, we're really going to just have to, like you said, do our research and then be very, very, um, I think this is the time for, for us to have a voice now, for real, because we do have a, we will have hopefully a, a black woman in office. 
and hopefully that we can all come together and she, you know, really have a voice as one. I had somebody attack me today on social media, on YouTube. I had made a statement about 45 and how he has allowed Obama to pretty much control his mind because he's so angry about everything that President Obama did. And somebody sent me a message that said, what about, it was a black woman and she was walking through the streets of Baltimore talking about this is this area has women that are head of households, it's trash. It, uh, she was talking about how the deaths of sons and, and daughters happened in Baltimore and the Democrats didn't do anything about it. She tried to dog me. I said, ma'am, I walked those same streets. I lived in Baltimore all last year. I know all about that. But in my opinion, some of that is a people problem. We need to have more things in place for the people. It's not a Democratic or a Republican party. It's a people party. And so um, issues. So I just, I don't know. I, I'm just hoping for the best with this election. When you said it's a people problem, what did you mean? There are some things that's not in place on a like on a government level, from what they have told me. Because I stayed in a hotel, I, my 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 space was about this long. So, um, but from what I heard from the people there, their complaint was there wasn't enough uh, programs. You know, there wasn't enough unity in the neighborhoods to get things done. There wasn't enough women and men sticking together to make to have a sound and be have one sound and one voice so when the girl was going through it was a black woman too and she was walking down the street saying that all of this was trash i'm like is it republican is it democrat she said look what the democrats have done because she was a republican is that the young lady who's running for running for um representative uh elijah coming seat was it that video of her i don't She's a, I, I didn't even look at her. I just saw her in a little pink suit and she's a darker skinned woman with long hair. That's all I noticed about her. So I think that's the woman that is running. I think she actually spoke at the RNC convention this week, but okay. she is a Republican. And I believe that she had a commercial out and she was speaking about um, certain community. I think that community that um, Representative Elijah Cummings represented while he was alive and in office as she was talking about how the Democrats have, you know, been um, been the representative for that community for a long period of time, they haven't done anything. And this is what the, this is what the streets look like. And I think that was trying to her her way of trying to. Um, I guess that that's the the avenue that they're taking in order to say vote for me, this black woman Republican, and not for the Democratic candidate or whatever. I think that's what. They're doing. But but what do you think of that? I mean. Like okay, now I heard what you said, Lisa, and I understand putting it all together. And but 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 I think I have felt that way in different places. I mean, it's like you've had a black female, even a congressional rep, a state rep, you know, local reps, and the our community, we aren't getting anything. We aren't getting the programs. We aren't getting the support we need. So should we not judge these folks? I mean, I guess I I I, I don't really understand. I mean, um, 
Democrat or Republican. I, I agree with you, Lisa, that I do think our community, there's some things that we could do and black women, we should come together to do. But I do think there's also some things politically because we're talking about now money, money and prioritizing a funding. Right. And if we're sending people to Washington to represent us, but then your community in Baltimore, in Detroit, in Atlanta, in Houston is 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 deplorable. I mean, these people ran for that seat so they could be held accountable for it. I guess. I mean, I don't know. Is that? Is that what are your thoughts, Simone and Barbara? I, that's how I, was, I mean. I think that we have to come to a place where we're holding politicians accountable across the board, period, right? Like if you ran on a certain platform and you're saying this is what you want to do or this is what you have told the voters, this is what I will do, then I think you do have a responsibility to do that. And if you've attempted to do it, but other reasons you couldn't get it passed or you couldn't get some legislation passed or whatever, at least show your record and being um, active. being active, but no, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, transparent. Yeah. Being transparent in the work that you're doing. And I think we as voters have to realize and stop saying our vote doesn't count because it does. Because what happens is you have politicians who go in office, Republican, Democrat, Independent, whoever, who take these positions for the sake of saying that they're a state representative, but they're not doing the work, right? And then we stay at home and we don't vote in the midterm elections. We don't vote to get those people out. And so they remain in that position constantly not doing the work. But I think we're getting to a newer generation. Like this younger generation is really being bold and saying, look, if you don't do what you say you're going to do, we're going to come out and we're going to vote you out. And I think that's what we have to, do. We have to hold our politicians accountable because at the end of the day, you're public service. Right. If you're not serving the public, then you need to go. And we need to, one, not be afraid to vote them out, but two, identify people in our community who we think would do the work and putting them up to run in elections and run to do the work because we really want people who are going to do the work and not get caught up in the politics of doing the work. And I know that's a hard struggle at times. <laughs> to say the least. To say the least, right? Because unfortunately, I'm sure there are a lot of people who really to the role to really want to effectuate change and then deal with the politics of trying to effectuate change. I mean, that's why I think you got to be transparent too so people can see that you're trying to do the work but maybe things are stopping you, but you're actually trying to do the work. Right. Well, I want to get back to this though. So I'm, I'm looking at that study from the Essence article that I posted. And, you know, it said that the in 2018, racism was the number one issue. No, was hate crimes and racism for black women, uh, which went up from 17, and then went up again as the number one issue in 19. What you all think about that? I mean, hate crimes and racism. Well, I think it's the environment that we're living under. And when I say under, I mean the powers that be in 45 in the White House. I was just speaking to a friend the other day and I can't remember 
we all know that there is racism in America. That's part of that's part of the history of the country. Right. But it is so foul and so mean. It's almost like they've got a license to speak how they're speaking to us now. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing to us now. Right. And, and, and we, with don't that have, we don't have anything in place for uh, to curtail that. Not government, not uh, not uh, law enforcement, not politicians. We don't have. It seems as though we don't have anything in place. And in regards to uh, holding uh, politicians to the fire. I don't know. Is it a little late to hold them to the fire? I mean, I know what I got to do on election day, but when I say, okay, I need this, that to survive as a black woman, is it not a little late in the game for me to be saying that? Like, are they listening? Do they hear it? Is that going to make a difference? Don't get me wrong, a vote makes a difference. I'm just saying going forward. What, uh, Lisa, you were you about to say? Well, I was just thinking one part in that you stated, I was like about how blatant everything is right now. You know, we can't blame, I can't blame racism on 45, but I can say that everything rises and falls on leadership. And the people are so comfortable that their leadership is one way, whether he thinks he's a racist or not. The people that follow him, a lot of the people that we've seen that follow him, they think he's a racist. So that gives them the power in their mind to be able to talk to us and question us about our going in and going out like they did back in slavery where you had to have a note if you were leaving going to the other. So I think that they have created this thing in their mind that it's okay because their leader is like that. Mm. And he, he is, is in your face these days. I've had a couple of experiences recently at the airport this past weekend. And I thought to myself, okay, Karen, that is playing Karen. I'm, don't, please don't, don't do it today, girl. Don't do it today. So that's what I, I was just thinking about that when Miss Barbara was talking about it. Well, let me ask you, um, Barbara dropped off. It must be her connection. But um, you two, have, have, you all, have you two had any experience yourself in the last one to five years with what you would consider racism or hate? Oh, I like to got popped in the face in Baltimore last year um, because I went to go assist a customer who was waiting. I was off the clock, but I was having dinner. And he was being really rowdy with my server. And so I went back, I said, how can I assist you? And he was like, um, you, he started going in on us. But what got me after I went to go and find out why his food was delayed, there was 20 person meal over on the other side. And I was explaining to it. He said to me, I only got soup and salad, girl. You go do the salad. You go back there and <laughs> <laughs> yo, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I said, I turned away. It was like I almost had an out-of-body experience. I turned away and I started talking to myself. <laughs> and I walked away and went and told the chef what he said. This little guy, never seen him move fast for anything. But that brother, like, the broke his neck getting out there and told him, man, I tell you what, sir, you can take your business somewhere. You will not speak to our management like that. That's interesting. I have. What about you, Simone? I haven't myself. I don't think. Um, and I was one of the experiences that I experienced. It wasn't even against me. And this was probably maybe three, four, five years ago. I was actually at a fast food restaurant, and the staff was primarily Hispanic. And it was a guy, and they're moving as fast as they can, getting their work. And they're, you know, they're talking to each other in Spanish, not bothering anybody, but they, you know, having their conversation. And the man, this white man was like, this is America, speak English. And I'm like, who are you talking to? They're not even talking to you. Like, how are you even, what, what are you, like, you're number five. Like, you're not, they're not talking to you and you're behind so What are you worried about what they're doing? He's like, you need to speak English. You're in America now. And I'm like, how ignorant are you? <laughs> right? And I was just like, I was like, they're not talking to you. So why why are you even commenting on what they're doing? You're rude. Because I guess he thought he was going to laugh or a joke. And many of us in the line were like, you're so rude and disrespectful. And But that was five years ago. That was before the 35 era. So I already know <laughs> that man's probably acting a fool right now somewhere. Because that was before well, and, yeah, and in fact, it's been quite a few stories actually like that around the country over the last five years where somebody was yelling at mostly a Hispanic person telling them, you know, you, you need to speak English. I mean, seriously, no, there were a number of things that made made it to the news regarding that. But, you know, here's what's heavy to me. I personally. So I arrived in Arkansas, Arkansas. No, no, this I got to say it. You know, I'm going to raise my hands up free, free Arkansas, because I'm so convinced that not only is Arkansas not free, but Arkansas really put in perspective the majority of my Southern experience. So to be honest, I have been navigating through life for this last decade in particular throughout the South, completely oblivious and ignorant to the racism and even sexism that was confronting me. However, when I got to Arkansas, this is in 2017, and I went to enroll my daughter in a, a country, small town, maybe I shouldn't say country, small town, high school. And guess what? Now, I don't know if this was racism. <laughs> you all tell me, but the, the superintendent, when somebody went to speak to him about me, I said, I think Ms. Brown could help us. At that time, I was still brown. Um, he said, uh, who? The lady who talks funny? The lady who talks funny. This is in 2017. And a superintendent described me that way. Then my daughter, second day of class, she comes home and tells me about her, her one of her teachers Refer, referred to two black men or black boys in her class kind of, you know, playing with each other or talking trash or something. And he said, stop throwing gang signs. And so Jordan said, why would he say that to them? They, they weren't throwing gang signs. 
But my point is, the, these type of interactions, these assumptions about us, even when we moved to Little Rock, you know, or before I got to Little Rock, I was told I wasn't going to get a job in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And you know what I was told was that I was something like an uppity Negro. Can you believe that? Yeah, not, like I'm not making this up. And I can just tell you when when I got to Little Rock, and I was and I went on job interviews. It was as if I was offensive for being intelligent, mm. and I was offensive for having any measure of confidence about my knowledge. So that was amazing for me. And then the folks that maybe weren't racist, but who were extremely curious when they encountered me. I mean, I'm I'm serious. Like I I had these experiences where white folks treated me almost like, where'd you come from? (laughs) So, you know, for me, I've had some real experiences. So when I read that article, that was very real for me. If you had asked me, racism, and then the things that I had witnessed in Arkansas, like I said, took me back to North Carolina, took me back to Texas, took me back to Florida, took me back to all these Southern states I had been in. And then now I was able to put things in proper perspective and say, oh my God, I guess that was racism. I guess this is sexism. So it's very real. And I'm very concerned that whether it's Kamala Biden or whoever, but certainly for them to, like I really need them to hear and to care about what's happening to black women today. Because let me tell you something, this racism, especially in certain places, it's really, it's worse than others, right? So uh, Arkansas is very different than Georgia. Although they are first cousins, I suspect. Arkansas is different than Mississippi and their brothers and sisters. But my point is things are really happening in these places that are really hurting our folks. Right. I've even been in one incident to where I was a salesperson at a property and on the phone, I've been talking to this man for three weeks and he finally flew in and when he met me, he said, I'm be there at 5.30. I'm like, okay, I'll wait for you. Got around the corner. And I said, are you whatever his name is? He said, are you Lisa? I said, yes. He said, I didn't know you were black. I said, do you still need the space or not? <laughs> that's all I can say. Does it matter? You know? And I, I ran into that all the time in different properties and different places I've been where I've been the only black person in the room. And it's just helped me grow and be better. There she is. Finally. <laughs> I was having serious issues. <laughs> but I am here now. Yes. You did it. I can hear you. Oh, my goodness. Um, what were you going to say now? What did I miss? Well, we were talking about some of our our personal experiences uh, with racism, and 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 also what we need from these candidates, because how this really impacts us. And let me say one more thing I think is worth sharing with you all and the rest of the world, talking about my experience with racism. Now, you, I, I don't know. Maybe this isn't racism, but if you start a job and and the white your white manager 
says Renee talks whiter than the whitest white person. <laughs> that's not funny. But, <laughs> oh Lord, no, it's funny. It's racist, but it's funny. No, that's but funny. I mean, I, I'm not being sincere because this really happened. This was 2018. 2018. And 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 here here's the setup. My direct boss was a black woman. Mm. He was a white man. And he said to her, not only did he say, I talk whiter than the whitest white person, he basically went on to imply that I talked more proper than she did. Mm. So really, he was insulting both of us. Right. And this black woman just, you know, kind of sat back like it wasn't a big deal. And soon I realized that in Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. <laughs> I mean, but you know what? Here's the thing. I'm in Georgia now. <laughs> and I came by way of Tennessee. So, and oh my, I, guess what I found out? You know, when I when I left Arkansas, I said, oh yeah, I'm moving over to Tennessee. I'm, I, you know, I'm going up into the house now. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm sorry, folks. I got to tell you, for Renee, this racism and this sexism stuff is so real. And it's so real down in this South. I mean, it's everywhere. But I'm, I am convinced that it is seriously more afoot in these deep southern states. And it's in your face. It's in your face now. Yes. Now more now I, I would say more than ever. And I I still believe that it has a lot to do with the powers that be that are giving them the okay. Because would they have said that or anything like that to any of us five, ten years ago? See, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the racism, you know, Simone and I met in law school. I started law school, hard to believe, 13, 14 years ago. And I remember when I started law school in 2006. And I said, I came to law school to do civil rights work. And I'm convinced that most of the folks thought I was a relic from the past. They said, civil rights? I remember this. They said, civil rights? Renee, what? Mm -hmm. So to be honest, to me, mm -hmm. I, 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 yeah, it may be more egregious and in our face with 45, mm. but I'm sorry. This, this last 15 years, like I said, it, it took me to come up to 2017, maybe 2015 in Texas, let me be honest, mm. but it's taken in the last five years for me to really understand it. But the truth is I've been seeing it through my entire journey and I just didn't necessarily know how to call it. And, mm. and to be honest, Unlike today, it wasn't so popular and comfortable for us to openly talk about either. Yeah, I think it's always been there. I just don't think it's been as blatant, <laughs> as, blatant as it is now. And and we talk about implicit biasness, right? So I think it's implicit. Like I just know I'm a lawyer, I'm a trial lawyer. There's been times when I've had a juror shot like oh my gosh you know such an amazing case you like, see what i'm saying there you go what like, I, I don't know what you thought i was supposed to do and, and that's been in the last 10 years right that's definitely within the last 10 years i mean you get the comment oh you speak very well oh. yeah yeah 
It's like, what language did you think I was supposed to speak? Or did you not think I was going to put on a good work product because you thought I was black? Like, I wasn't going to give you a good work or a good thorough work product um, because you wouldn't have or I've had in certain types of cases where I have black women who are uh, witnesses. I've had jurors say, like, I mean, do you really think she was victimized? And I'm like, well, why wouldn't she? I mean, I'm not here for I'm like, I'm not here for my health, right? Like, yeah. like, why would you think that? And then I'm always like, if this wasn't a black person as this person been injured. Would you think and would you say that out of your mouth? So it's it's right. not it's implicit and then they think that we you know we can't be harmed or we can't they underestimate us. They underestimate us and so it's there. And I guess so much I'm always just like <laughs> and I just keep on moving and I don't really like that's probably mm -hmm. like would you say that? That's crazy. Okay, but let me move on. <laughs> well, and I think that's that's what I'm saying. Simone, I've been moving through life just blowing it off. Oh, you know, not realizing what's really been happening all this time. In fact, when I think back to graduate school before I started law school, right? Now, this was heavy. So I was on a fellowship and many of my colleagues were. And I had some colleagues that were at some of the top universities. Harvard, University of Chicago, getting their PhDs, etc. And when we would get together and talk about the experiences that we were all having at these different predominantly white institutions as women of color, black women, getting masters and PhDs, and the hell that we were being put through. And I remember back then, because I used to be the head of the Black Graduate Student Association, and I said, ladies, we, we're going to have to start speaking and sharing this. But of course, Nobody wanted to take the time to do that, right? And so here we are, fast forward, 16 years, and it's, and now it's really out of control. But the truth is, we were talking about this stuff 16 years ago, 20 years let, ago. Let me ask you, you ladies, something. Um, going forward, what? How do we? How do we demand what it is that we want? from these politicians, can we do it prior to the election? Or is that something that's gonna have to be on the back burner for 2021 when hopefully it changes, the White House changes? Well, I think for local politicians, right? Cause I think it's oh, definitely local, yeah. For local politicians, I think that you can reach out to your City council person, your legislator, or your representative. I do it all the time. Well, but, but hold on, hold on. Now, this is where I hear my dear friend Rakim talking to me. That's that that would be Barbara's cousin saying, Renee, you believe it, you always talking that individualism, but it's really about the collective and the organization. So now I think that's and I agree with him here because. Simone, you said, okay, you can reach out to your local council person or whomever, but individually, you don't really have so much power. And that's the issue, is that locally even, we're not as collective as we could or should be. So that to me is what we have to do. Locally, begin to organize in some kind of way. And well, 
I, I take it upon myself and a lot of people don't because I reach out to the ladies that I know from different, you know, avenues. And let's talk, let's talk about when I get my, uh, when we're voting locally, who's running for all the men, who's running for Santa, who's, well, what do you know about her? Did you pull her up? None, very rarely do you hear anyone say, well, I pulled her up and I looked at her track record and I'm not impressed. Now there could be three or four running for judge, but if you don't look at their track record mm -hmm. and it's not beneficial to you, then how are you just gonna, oh, okay, it's Democrat. Any, meeny, miny, no. I've heard people say they're going to, to vote straight Democrat. Yeah, yeah. What's that about? Yeah, I, I think that people don't do the research. And I think that's what's going to happen if people don't do the research. And I, and I will say, you know, I am becoming more astute in how I vote and how oh, I Because uh, I will say I was one of those back in the day. I mean, who am I not? The, you know, like I was the one like, oh, Democrat. Oh, and I was just like, oh, you first, you second. I didn't really do the research. But now I know that our matters and I know it's really important about who we actually put in office yeah. I begin to do the research and really find out what are their platforms, what have they been doing yeah. uh, what what are they saying they're going to do and if they're not doing what they said they want to do then come the next um, election if someone's running against them I'm going to look at what the opposition is doing or whatever the case may be because I do think it's important that we do their research but Unfortunately, we haven't been trained to go out, do your research, you know, get your get your ballot pre, pre you know, online. Right, right. And, and people at the basic level heck, don't even know what some of the people do. Right. right? I, I found myself educating people during this cycle. Well, this is why you need to vote for this district attorney. This is why you need right, to vote right, for right. this is why you need right. to vote. Like, these people are affecting your everyday life. And some right. people don't even realize how important elections are. And so I yeah, think we yeah. got to start at the core, like civics one-on-one. This is my challenge. Now, let me let, let me just tell you all something. So, you know, Simone and Barbara, well, at least you might not know this. So I started teaching political science at the college level in graduate school. I love it. I'm good at it. I'm great at it. In fact, I created a curriculum, and I didn't even intend to. So when I was in Texas, again, I'm so enthusiastic about this. I created a program that I wanted to take it to the community. But a part of why I didn't, I felt like, who's going to come? Because again, you can put it out there, but people don't come. Now, maybe I should have put it out there. And so maybe that's where it brings me to now. Yeah. Is to your question, Barbara, you said, what can we do to get our voices heard? Do we wait after the election? Or what can we do before the election? And I think, again, that's why we're here. We're ordinary, but we're extraordinary. And I think we really, seriously, ladies, I mean, I know we all got a lot going on. And in fact, Simone and I are here in Georgia, Lisa's in Tennessee, and Barbara's in Chicago. But at the end of the day, I think there is something that we can do that doesn't even have to be so major to, to be of service to sort of help communicate. What do Black women want? in different places and getting that information communicated up. 
Because that's what it's going to take. It's not individual. Yeah, voting is great, but it is about organizing. It is about sort of creating these political action committees locally, regionally, throughout the country and worldwide to say, hey, we have a voice. And, and, and here's the thing. All the organized groups can come together, especially right. when you're when you're organized around the same principles and and uh, and 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 promoting the same issues, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I really feel like that's what has to happen. Like now, we really have to ourselves be willing to be a bit more politically engaged and support the organizations that exist to help them communicate and communicate what's needed and what we want. Because really, Lisa, you said it earlier, and, and I'll give it back to you. I mean, now more than ever, our voices need to be heard. Go ahead, Lisa. I was just thinking, I'm a part of a women's, uh, women, the Women's Fund. Mm. And what we do, we got together, it was about um, child marriage. Some Somebody was trying to take the age of child marriage down to like 12 or 14 or something. <laughs> Sounds like Tennessee. <laughs> and so, this group of ladies and I, I came in this room accidentally, even uh -huh. though I'm a, I work for that kind of stuff, the sex trafficking and, and caring about the children having a childhood not getting married at the age of six, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. I just stumbled into this room with a friend of mine and we they were there writing letters to our local people. Mm -hmm. So we all got together and hand wrote a letter to each one of, we wrote like five letters a piece to these people, to these Congress, you know, representatives, and got some great responses back. And so I believe that the age went up some during that time, and they kept stayed in contact with us and everything. Mm -hmm. So it does take that, you know, the unity to be one voice, one sound, and then have one goal to get it done. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right, and uh, uh, that is something that uh, probably we all need to do. I'm finding it uh, a little harder here because of where I live and where the rest of, of my group is. I mean, we can talk via phone or FaceTime or whatnot, but... I don't know. I, I I think that they're not as engaged, excuse me, engaged or interested in it as I am. And I've always been outspoken about what's right and what's wrong and being blacker than black, you know. So I'm finding that I find that to be very difficult for those that I still have left in my, you know, agents that I network with and whatnot. And, and for the most part, it was like, well, you know, my ideas and whatnot are different now because I got three grandkids. I have a black son, okay, who is, you know, that's, he's, He's hunting you. When he go outside, make sure you have your driver's license, make sure you have this, make sure you have that. You got to do that. You do. Mm -hmm. I got two little boys and a little girl. 
And I'm educating all of them because it ain't telling who they gonna grab. So I think at some point, sometimes we get to a point where we become um, complicit, for lack of a better word, and it doesn't affect me. Why not? You got grandkids. That's right. You got children. Why? Why doesn't affect you? Don't you want your med Medicare free instead of having to take a supplement? Come on now. <laughs> yeah, we don't know about that yet, though. But we certainly yeah, support don't know about that. But no, no, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people that are stepping into that age category think that Medicare is free. That shit, is, excuse me. It's it's not free. You got to pay. You got to pay. You got to pay if you want something better that will take care of all of your health issues. You've got to pay. And people are not told that. And they don't know that. I mean, there are a lot of things that, because I'm, I'm, I try to work hard on educating seniors, because that's what I am. You know, you need to know your rights. You need to know where to go if Con Ed gonna shut your uh, electricity off, or you need to go paying your mortgage or your rent, or you need some food. You know, just common things that for for whatever case, we don't take care of our elders like other countries do. We really don't. And most of our elders are women. Right. Now that's now that's the one thing I can say. And and ladies, this has definitely been great. And we're gonna wrap it up. But I I'm, I gotta say this: women, women outlive men. It's not that yeah. we shouldn't take care of them, but the reality is the majority of elder women are single. Yeah. And let me tell you something. Barbara is talking right here. In all honesty, you can think you can save all the money you could possibly make. But if you're an average working person, baby, when you hit senior retirement and by yourself, right, life could get real difficult. And so I think we have to think about that right now because th those of us that are coming behind you, Barbara, we intend to get there and be comfortable, but we don't know what might happen. You know, let me give you just a quick example. I had a girlfriend, I have a girlfriend mm -hmm. who sister was making probably very close to six figures, if not six figures, uh -huh. she had a stroke, a very serious stroke. Two years ago, and just like that, she can't work. Mm. It breaks my heart, because sister's well under 50. Mm. So you see that, and, and nobody ever thought about disability. And where are the resources? There aren't any. You're on your own. Wow. So those are the kind of things to me, women, period, certainly for us as black women because to be truthful we work so hard so long and for most of us we really don't get it in terms of comfortable living till we well over 50 years old mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. so yes I, I, I want people to care about what matters to us and i want to and, and what matters to me and, and let's close with each of you sharing but what matters to me and what i want from this election is respect Mm -hmm. My people, particularly black women, and hear what we have to say 
because we are undergirding this society with our work. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who's next? We're gonna close it out and wrap it up with what you want. What what basically you saying what black women want in your opinion to close it up. We want our children to be protected. Yeah. You know, we want our children to be safe and want them to be able to grow up. Mm-hmm. No, not just when they grow up, but be able to, to grow up and live a good life. And so I am hoping that they don't just talk about it, but be about it mm-hmm. and walk the walk and walk the talk. That's yeah. right. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that sums it up. One, I want to be alive to see the kids grow up. (laughs) I want to know that if you're putting yourself to be of service to the people that you're actually doing. And so what I want, if you're putting yourself up for public service, be a public servant and serve. And and do the work. I would like as a black woman, as part of the black women population, I would like for us to be taken seriously because we have a lot to bring to the table. We have a lot of experiences. We have uh, a, a lot that can be taught. We can teach, we can pass down information. So I, I'd like those as some of the avenues that are open to Black women. And I will just say this. The next time we get together, I would like to discuss this uh, um, 45 uh, uh, pardon on the system. I can't think of her name. Oh, right. yeah. Um, out of Tennessee. You're talking about the one that uh, Kardashian led the, the party? Yes, 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 yes. yes. Okay. I want to hear some other voices on it. You know, some of you young sisters that are out there, you know, speed me up. Give me more information. Give us some information. You know what? Now, this is how you know I'm I'm a complete novice at this technology thing. So people give comments. I don't even know how to post it. So, so to everyone, first of all, we, I am so thankful to be here with you ladies tonight, and I'm so thankful for all the people who uh, tuned in to us, and I hope that they enjoyed our talk, and I hope they got something from it, and I hope they will share our podcast, because we're weekly. Now, our, our regular day is Thursday, but I, I kind of like Friday, Friday, but maybe we can come back to Thursday next week. What do you think, ladies? I'm going to be busy on Friday next week, so yeah. So Thursday is... Yeah. Okay. We'll be back at our. Okay. Can I say something just before we go? I just clicked on comments. Right. I can see them now. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Like, why? Why are y'all talking politics? Politics. That's it. And then then the other. (laughs) And then Miss Ophelia said everything that she say is true. But we as black people promote that being too intelligent isn't representative of being black enough. We promote ignorance as something to be proud of. I mean, okay. there's some truth to that. That is. That's some truth to that. And that's and and that and Ophelia, and thank you for that comment thank because you. in fact, and we'll pick this up next week, but I'm gonna tell you that's a big discussion right now right. about really, especially for the young generation, 
being too smart, talking too white. Well, I just told you the white man told me I was talking whiter than white, the whitest white person, whatever. But that comes from us too, right? White folks, yeah. black folks say you talk white. Black folks yeah. say you act white. Black folks say you're acting too much of this and that. And yeah. so that goes back to your point too, Lisa, with some things that I think we do need to do in our community, right? Like yeah. it's only so much that the politicians can do, but mm -hmm. we got a lot of work. And I think as black women, real talk, we're the leaders of whatever change we want to see. Right. True that. And thank you, Miss Latifah. Oh, I'm about to comment too. Miss Latifah, why are we talking about politics? It's not necessarily politics, it's about us and what the politics can do for us. And if we don't there we go. talk about it, we can't get informed about it. We can't get re research it. And so that's what Girlfriends is. We're here to talk about everything that affects us mm -hmm. financially, health-wise, our children, everything. So we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. Well, and, and here's the thing. I'm glad you said that, Lisa, because Girlfriends, so for those that don't know, what's uniting us are the principles, the values. And remember, what you value dictates what and how you do things. So girlfriend stands for God-fearing, intelligent, resilient, loving, faithful, reliable, influential, enthusiastic, noble, diligent, and spiritual. So as women who are un unequivocally influential, yeah, we have a duty to talk politics, to engage in politics, and to make sure that politics, as Lisa said, is working for us and our community. And that means you too, Latifah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Love you, ladies. Love Happy you, Friday. Simone, please get you some rest. Do not be on this Facebook. No, lady. Hey, you better tell her. She's not 40 yet, so she figured she can keep wearing a little body down. But she needs to know. I'm a I got too many books I got to read. I got some crab legs. I'm gonna finish eating and then I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, get to bed, lady, and get some rest. All bye right, you, lady. Bye, bye. bye. The audience have a bye. blessed evening, also. Yeah. Bye bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye.